You're listening to Hardwired with Jeff Wickwire. Here's what's coming up in today's edition. The wrecking ball is called forgiveness. It's called apologize. It's called forgiveness. The wrecking ball, listen, it's the wrecking ball that Satan fears most because you can have a huge castle. When the Bible uses the word stronghold, the weapons of our, our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God and the pulling down of strongholds. That word stronghold in the Greek language means castle. It's a castle and inside the castle is the enemy and he's ruling your life from that castle. When your life is falling apart, where do you turn? Do you give up on all hope or do you feed into the darkness that is holding you back? In today's message, Pastor Jeff wants you to know that you need to let God's free gift of grace be the wrecking ball of change in your life. The more you let your mistakes fester, the worse off you'll become. Don't believe the lie that you can solve everything on your own. Satan wants nothing more than to keep you contained in his fortress of lies. Let God work wonders for you. Well, let's join Pastor Jeff in the book of Psalms, chapter 101, as he continues his message, How to Have a Good Fight. Calling one another names or making personal comments or insults about the other. You invalidate the other person with put downs. Well, you're just a this and you're just a that. You're just like your mama. We're just like your dad. And on and on it goes and it escalates. And then you begin invalidating and shooting them down and ruining their self-worth and ruining their sense of value. So instead of escalating or invalidating or clamming up or blowing up, let's wise up and see what the Bible says about how to have a good argument, a good fight, a good disagreement. Here they are, and if I were you, I would write these down. You may want to go back to them. You probably will go back to them. I hope you go back to them. Here they are. First, don't let problems simmer. This is the clamming up part. Don't let problems simmer. Because if you let something simmer, here's what you're doing. You're not talking about it. And because you're not talking about it, it's deep down inside like a volcano. As a matter of fact, a simmering problem is like a firecracker that though the fuse be long, it will sooner or later explode. Problems don't just go away. Problems are solved. Problems don't go away. They are fixed. Problems don't go away. They are resolved. The Bible says, instead of letting something simmer, it says in Ephesians 4.25, therefore let each of you or each of you must put off falsehood, must put off falsehood in the home. Don't go around saying, no, there's nothing wrong when something is. Don't say I'm okay when you're not. The Bible says that church people, Christian people, those that love the Lord, should put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor. And there's no closer neighbor than those you live with. For we are all members of one body. And I could change that and say we are all members of one family. So the Bible, instead of letting something simmer, the Bible encourages speak truthfully. We're commanded to speak truthfully to each other. It may be harder on the front end, and it, may, and it is, because you've got to get your courage up and say, we're going to have to talk about this. We've got to talk. We've got an issue we need to discuss. And instead of ducking and dodging and denying and hiding and putting your head in the ground like an ostrich, we're going to talk this 
through. It may be more difficult on the front end, but believe me, if you don't do it, it's more difficult on the back end because it will pop up and it will cause a problem. Listen, have no secrets from each other. Speak the truth with each other. Now, here's the next thing. Second, choose your battles wisely. You've probably seen the prayer that says, grant me the wisdom to accept the things that I cannot change. I think that's a prayer for marriages and for homes. Help me, Lord, to have the wisdom to accept the things that I cannot change. Or let me just add a little bit to it that don't really need to be changed. One of the major challenges of marriage is learning what can and should be changed and what should be overlooked. What can you live with and what can't you live with? Don't make a mountain out of a molehill. We can make a big deal out of small things and in the process ruin our relationship. You know, Jesus talked about straining at a gnat and swallowing a camel. You can strain at a small thing. You can make a big deal out of a small thing, straining at a gnat, and you can swallow the camel, ruin our relationship by straining at that gnat. There are some things we need to leave alone. Church theologian Augustine left us a great little formula for peace in the church, and I think it's also good for peace in the home. Here's what he said. In essentials, unity. In non-essentials, liberty. In everything, charity. That's good stuff. Now, catch that. In essentials, you got to have unity. The essentials for any Christian home would be honoring the Lord Jesus in the home, prayer, church attendance. Those are essentials. Those are non-negotiables. Those are things that you cannot blink at if they're taking place in your home. Uh, It would be an essential to not allow sin to dominate in a Christian home. That's an essential. That's a non-negotiable. But there's all kinds of non-essentials we fight about all the time. Non-essentials will be the 90% of things that couples bicker about that should be overlooked. The way your partner makes the bed or clears the table or butters the toast or doesn't butter the toast or flips the eggs. Those little mannerisms that bug or irritate you and you allow that to become a fight when the Bible says, overlook it, overlook it, overlook it. Choose your battles wisely. Don't let the small stuff become fodder for a fight. The Bible says sensible people control their temper and they earn respect by overlooking faults. The Bible says that the glory of a man is to overlook a transgression. So there's some things, listen, just overlook it. Just smile and look the other way. Leave their socks on the floor. Don't clean them up after themselves. Uh, Just little things that just, you say, if they do it one more time, it's going to drive me nuts. Overlook it. It's a small thing. Don't strain at a gnat and swallow a camel. Amen? Say with me, overlook it. And then third, don't say everything you think. (laughs) If if you want to have a good fight... (laughs) I can tell you, if you want to have a bad fight, say everything you think. But if you want to have a good fight, don't say everything you think. The Bible warns when words are many, sin is not absent. Somebody said once, and I love this, never pass up an opportunity to keep your mouth shut. There are some things that are better left unsaid, at least at the moment. Now, I told you in the first point, speak the truth. But now I'm going to balance that out. Speak the truth with wisdom. 
The Bible says, listen to this. You didn't know this was in the Bible. I'll bet you. A fool utters all his mind, but a wise man keeps it in till afterwards. Keeps it in for a better moment. Uses wisdom and when they're truthful, how they're truthful, what their tone is, how they come over with it. The fool blurts out whatever is in his heart without thinking about the manner in which he says it, without thinking about the way it will be received, without thinking about whether this is the time or the setting to bring it up, without thinking about whether or not the recipient is mature enough to handle what you're about to share. A person of understanding doesn't speak all of their heart until the right time. The Bible says, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold and frames of silver. Fitly would mean a word spoken, spoken with wisdom at the right time, in the right way, with the right measure. Well, I'm just being honest, Pastor Jeff. Well, use wisdom with your honesty. There's nothing sacred about unrehearsed, unwise honesty. Wrap it in wisdom if you want to have a good fight. Can they handle this right now? Should I say this right now? I'm going to measure my words. I'm going to use wisdom. Now, fourth, state your feelings very clearly. Listen, this is so important. State your feelings clearly. Most anger comes from feelings of either fear or hurt. You can walk in and your spouse can be mad playing things around, banging things around, speaking to you sharply. What's the matter? I just had a bad day. Do you know that most of the time when they say that, that's not why they're that way? There's the stated reason and there's the real reason. So you say, rather than going into character assassination or the blame game or yelling at each other or really say, well, if you're going to yell at me, I'm going to yell at you. If you want to have a fight, I'm, I'm here. I'm in the ring with you. You say, tell me, let, let's sit down for a second. Tell me why you're feeling the way you're feeling. Let me give you a for instance. The wife says to the husband, when you're on the road and you don't call, I feel lonely and I feel rejected. And that's why I'm mad. And that's why I'm barking at you. And that's why I'm nagging. I'm not just doing it to do it, but if you really want to know, that's the reason. Or here's another example. When you leave in the morning without kissing me goodbye, it makes me feel insecure about your feelings. So that's why I'm mad. That's why I'm kind of distracted. See, the Bible says that the wise man will draw the truth out of somebody's heart. It's a matter of sitting down and listening and saying, what's the real issue? Why are you really angry? What's, what's going on with you? Stating why you feel the way you do will keep the disagreement on the right track so you're not chasing rabbits. Let's be sure we're dealing with the real issue here and not the surface issue. So state your feelings clearly right up front. Here's why I'm feeling the way I'm feeling. Next, make a conscious decision to keep anger under control. As soon as the volume level rises, that discussion is over with. Because if you're going to start screaming and yelling and raising your voice and threatening and making accusations, it's over. There is no healing, no resolve, no fixing it. You have now gone off into the flesh. So you've got to make a conscious decision to keep anger under control. In your anger, the Bible says, do not sin. Get rid of all rage. Get rid of all anger. Lay it down. Put it down. Don't let your anger get the best of you. Say this to yourself. I will not empower anybody to make me angry. 
You can do what you want, but you can't make me get angry at you. If I fly off the handle and lose my temper and begin to scream and yell, I'm the one who gave in and I'm the one who's doing it. Nobody has the power to make you angry unless you let them. So say to yourself at the beginning of the discussion, no matter what is said, no matter where this goes, I am not going to get angry. I'm not going to get angry. Remember what James said, my dear brothers, take note of this. Everybody should be very quick to listen, very slow to speak, and very slow to become angry. Proverbs 15 says, a hot-tempered man stirs up dissension, but a patient man calms a quarrel. If you stay calm, guess what? It'll, it'll go calm. But if you blow it, that's where it's going to go. Sixth, don't dwell on downers. Don't dwell on downers. The Bible says, get rid of all bitterness. And why do I quote that verse? Because bitterness causes us to resurrect old, unresolved issues. And when we resurrect them, you've got a corpse standing in the middle of that argument with you that you said you forgave, you said that it was buried, but now you've resurrected from the dead an issue that should have been forgiven, forgotten for good. We're going to have a funeral. We're going to bury old offenses that never need to be resurrected again. We're going, to, we're going to say, I forgive it. I forget it for good. Can you say with me? Forgiven, forgotten, for good. But see, when you dwell on downers in the middle of a, of a disagreement, then that thing is going to go south. That discussion is going to go bad. It's going to end up in a bad argument. Bitterness causes us to resurrect those old things, but wisdom, on the other hand, teaches us to stick closely to the relevant issues and end the fight. If you look at unhappy couples, they turn every spat into a slippery slope of one unkind word that leads to another. Let me give you for an instance. He says, well, I guess my mistake was looking forward to a nice dinner. She says, well, if you came home on time, you might have gotten one. You care more about your job than me. He replies, well, somebody's got to make a living. She says, yeah, well, don't complain, dude. It was me that worked like a dog to put you through school. <laughs> and now where is this thing going? That kind of arguing, listen, is one of the strongest predictors of divorce. Because you're not dealing with an issue. You're pointing, you're blaming, you're resurrecting old corpses out of the grave. You're bringing stuff into it that has nothing to do with the real issue. These couples veer off into heated, unproductive fighting over old, unresolved issues. And they resolve nothing. And negative feelings rage. The tension in that home is so thick you could cut it with a butter knife. We want God in the house. Let me say that again. We want God in the house. In stable marriages, good marriages, the other partner won't always retaliate when provoked. But what they do, they find ways to diffuse the tension, to let the air out of the tire. If you dwell on downers, you're eventually going to sink. So don't dwell on downers. Next, you got to give up put downs. Give up put-downs. Listen to what the Bible says. I'm going to quote a verse out of Ephesians 4 and think of this in context of the home where we want God in the house. Watch this. 
Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth in the home, but only what is helpful for building others up in the home. According to their needs, what do they need? Then you ought to be speaking to that need to build them up, that it may benefit those who listen or edify those who listen in the home. See, if it starts in the home, we bring revival into the church. I said, if it starts in the home, if we got this kind of stuff going on at the home, what are we going to bring in these doors here? We're going to bring joy. We're going to bring peace. We're going to bring victory. We're going to bring rest. That's why we want God in the house. We want God permeating the house. We want God permeating the marriages, God permeating the parent-child relationship. We want worship in the house. We want the joy of the Lord in the house. We want worship music in the house. We want Jesus to feel right at home walking into our house. We want Jesus in the house. Where, boy, you want to go home. You can't wait to get there because there's going to be an atmosphere. There's, there's going to be a sense of God there. One of the sad facts about close relationships is we treat the ones we love worse than we treat just about anybody else. Put-downs are especially lethal when they attack an Achilles heel. What's an Achilles heel? It's a soft spot. It's a sensitive area, a touchy subject that brings painful memories. Like if your spouse in high school days was called egghead and it really hurt them, and they told you that to this day, I can't stand that word. You know what you do when you get into a fight. Well, let me tell you, egghead. <laughs> because now the swords are out. Now the gloves are off. And you're looking for whatever you can to draw blood. So you use the Achilles heel. But listen to what the Bible says. Reckless words pierce like a sword. But the tongue of the wise brings healing. So avoid put-downs. And then learn to call a ceasefire. Learn to call a ceasefire. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. Because if you let the sun go down, you, you've got a disagreement. Tempers rise. It becomes heated. There's friction. You need to learn to be able to say, you know what? I sense this is not going to a good place. Let's take a walk. Ceasefire, truce, time out and get up and walk away before you say things or do things, you can never get back. Call a ceasefire. Because the Bible says that if you go to bed mad and you don't handle the offense, you give place to the devil. The word place there is the Greek word topos, and that means geography, land. If you go to bed angry, unforgiving, bitter, Shouting at each other, shut off from each other. Now, eventually, if you don't learn to handle it, if you go to bed that way and wake up that way, then those feelings become solidified, petrified, fossilized, set in your spirit so that you learn to live with it and walk around with it and you become acclimated to it. And before long, you wake up and you're living with a stranger sharing the same mortgage. You're living with a stranger paying the same bills. You're just roommates paying off a house. 
You don't know each other anymore. You're not sharing life together. You're sharing a mortgage, but not life. You're sharing raising children, but not life. You're sharing the, 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 the cares of, of a household, but, but you're not sharing life together because now you're strangers. I don't know who you are anymore. How has that happened? How did you become a stranger to me? I went to bed mad. I went to bed angry. I went to bed bitter. And I stayed that way and I kept going to bed that way. You gave geography to the devil where he was able to come in and put a tent on that little plot of land. And then he was able to build a house on that little plot of land. And then it becomes a castle, which is what a stronghold is. It's a castle. And God's got to bring a wrecking ball and take that thing down. And how can you, how can you bring that castle down? How can you destroy that castle? How can you take that land back? By forgiveness. It's real simple. The wrecking ball is called forgiveness. It's called apologize. It's called forgiveness. The wrecking ball, listen, it's the wrecking ball that Satan fears most because you can have a huge castle. When the Bible uses the word stronghold, the weapons of our, our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God are the pulling down of strongholds. That word stronghold in the Greek language means castle. It's a castle and inside the castle is the enemy. And he's ruling your life from that castle. And how can you bring that castle down? Three words. Are you ready? I forgive you. Here comes the wrecking ball. Ooh, bam. The castle shakes. Satan says, you can't do that. Oh, I think I'm going to say it again. Ooh, bam. Satan says, oh, please don't say that anymore. Stay mad. Don't you remember what they did, what they said? Come on now. Hang on to it. Don't give up. Keep your pride. I forgive them. Wham! And the castle shakes and falls, and the devil that was in it has to scurry away. Apologize and apologize quickly. If you say something you ought not say, apologize and apologize quickly. Be the first one to lower your pride. Say, well, when they apologize, I will. Well, there you go. No, you be the first one to do it. Be the one to say, you know what? I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said what I said. I shouldn't have did. I've done what I did. I shouldn't have done it. It was a mistake. That, that's my part. It was my fault. And I'm really sorry. And, and apologize. And don't go to sleep any other way. Forgiving each other just as in Christ, God forgave you. We want God in the house. I'm exposing today the devices and the instruments and the weaponry that Satan uses to take your house from you and your relationships from you. We're exposing him and we're bringing wisdom to bear so that God can be in the house peace and joy and Jesus honored and lifted up and praise and worship and everybody's walking around happy and not burdened down by constant troubles and arguing and dissension and division. So here they are saying with me, don't let problems simmer. Choose your battles wisely. Don't say everything you think. State your feelings clearly. Keep anger under control. Don't dwell on downers. Give up put-downs. Learn to call a ceasefire and apologize. 
Kathy and I really had to learn these things. She's strong-willed, I was strong-willed, that made for some good, hearty Jesus disagreements. And we've learned, you know what, just break and break quick. Have you ever found yourself bound to old mistakes? Have you ever tried to escape from your past, but with no success? What a wonderful reminder in today's message from Pastor Jeff that if you want to truly leave your past transgressions behind, then you need to surrender yourself to the Lord. Stop trying to fix it all on your own and let God bring the change that you need. Be transformed by the power of His free gift of grace working through you. For more teachings and information about this ministry, we encourage you to check out hardwired.org. Pastor Jeff Wickwire has many more messages there. You'll find them under the audio tab. This will surely help you be encouraged in the Word. Once again, that's hardwired.org. We want to invite you to come back again next time for another teaching from Pastor Jeff. Here's more on that. If you've joined us over the course of this study, you've grasped God's desire for communication and relationship in your life. It doesn't matter if you experience success or failure in your relationships. Pastor Jeff has shown you how to be a godly inspiration to those around you. Be sure to join us in the next series as it's explained how God is the God of all comforts. Let Him watch over you and be secure in the fact that He never leaves your side. Thanks for taking time to be with us today as we studied God's Word. If you'd like to hear more teachings from Pastor Jeff, visit hardwired.org. On behalf of Pastor Jeff and the entire production team, we invite you to join us again right here on Hardwired.